Hey everyone, this is Dorenda Wilson. Welcome to the podcast. This week we're going to continue with our topic of anxiety. We are going head to head, toe to toe with this thing because it's real. We all know the struggle is real, but God has good words and good things for us in the middle of all of it. So I look forward to sharing more with you about that in a minute. But if you don't know me already, I'm married to Daryl. We have eight kids, ages 13 to 26. Our two oldest are girls, and they are married, and we have four grandkids. So we have um, a lot going on. We also have been homeschooling over 20 years. Just a little side note there. One thing I didn't share last week with you all was that our daughter and son-in-law and two grandkids arrived safe and sound. They are um, going to be living with us. They moved from Washington State, and they're going to be living with us until they kind of settle into the area and find a home. So at this point in time, we are a multi-generational household, and I'm telling you, I am having a ball. I love being a Nana. I love the little arms that are reaching up for me to hold them and snuggle with them. And, oh, it's it's fabulous. I'm telling you, this is the reward for not killing your teenagers. You're welcome. Okay, so um, today I want to... Uh, address more of the topic of anxiety. But first, before I do that really quickly, I want you all to know if if you haven't listened before that I'm on Instagram at Dorinda Lee Wilson. And I'm also on Facebook, just Dorinda Wilson. I have a, a public Facebook page there and both places I share a lot of encouragement um, for homeschooling moms, for moms and just for women in general. I would love for you to connect with me there. If that's something you do, if you are one of those moms who says, I know my limits and I don't do social media, I say kudos to you. You are a hero in my book. So I was talking to my husband and sharing with him some of the things that I shared with you all last week on the first part of this podcast. Um, And he mentioned a couple of things that I thought I need to go ahead and mention to you as well. Excuse me. So... um, Last week, we talked about the anxiety that happens um, as a result of natural consequences. So um, just the, maybe the lack of us being uh, disciplined enough in our daily life, um, making sure that we're doing the things that bring balance and order to our lives. Um, I talked about, um, you know, just getting, uh, making sure we're eating reasonably well, making sure we're sleeping well. <clears throat> making sure that we're um, just doing those things that um, help keep our bodies healthy, you know? Um, so we're talking about our, our, our physical bodies. We're also talking about, um, you know, are we nurturing our marriages? Are we are the kids kind of going outside the boundaries and we need to pull the, pull them back in again? Um, is there is there order in our home? Um, are we, getting meals um, on time or at a reasonable time for our families. You know, it looks a little different for every family. Some families fly a little more by the seat of their pants and they do well with that. And I totally get that. Our family needed routine. We ate at about the same time every day um, and and, uh, went to bed about the same time every night, got up about the same time every morning. In between, there was margin and there was white space, and there was time for spontaneity and other things. But for us, we needed that sort of skeleton framework. It really helped keep our family sort of um, 
you know, just in good working order is what I'm saying. But my husband mentioned this. I was sharing with him about, you know, taking care of ourselves and our own bodies. And he reminded me of something that he told me years and years ago when I was, when I had asked him that question, is there something I'm doing? Is there something I need to change that um, would help me with this anxiety that I'm feeling? Remember last week I suggested um, going to your husband and maybe asking him maybe what his insights were into whatever anxiety you might be struggling with. And they don't always have an answer, but sometimes we can say something like, would you pray about it? And, um, and if you think of something and you know something comes to mind, will you, will you tell me? And it's just, um, it's amazing to me how simple a lot of times my husband's answer has been. And this was one of those times. I told him what I was feeling and the things I was struggling with. And he said to me, you are a high, like a high performance car, right? So, you know, leave it to a guy to compare his wife to a car. But, but stay with me here. He said, you're like a, 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 a Ferrari or a Porsche or one of those cars that is um, really, uh, you know, they run hard, they run fast. They, they are, uh, there's a lot demanded of them. They perform very well, but they also take a lot of, um, they take some extra maintenance than maybe your, you know, uh, station wagon or <laughs> whatever. That's the first thing that popped in my mind because we had a station wagon, we had a 15 passenger van, you know, then just your average car, um, a machine like that requires um, maintenance. And he said, you know, you need to make sure that you're uh, maintaining yourself in order to be able to do your job well and to be able to uh, maybe not have so much anxiety. And that was really, um, that was actually really helpful. I know it's kind of a guy uh, uh, word picture, but it worked really well for me because I thought, you know, he's absolutely right. I'm, I'm a fairly common sense person. And to me, that made a lot of, a lot of sense. So think of yourself as one of those high performance Ferraris, right? And so regularly the, the oil needs to be checked, you know, the belts need to be checked. The tires need to be checked. Do the maintenance on a regular basis. And um, that's what we talked about last week. So when we fail to do that, a lot of times that will bring chaos into our lives. It will bring anxiety into our lives in different forms. So the challenge last week was to bring that before the Lord and ask him if there's any area of your life where maybe you need to uh, be more disciplined. So we also talked about how we type A personalities tend to take that too far. So be careful that you're not um, reading too much into that. Just go to the Lord and ask him for his gentle correction. And he is really faithful to give you, uh, he'll be faithful to give you a very simple, straightforward answer on that. So this week, I want to talk about the anxieties that really have nothing to do with disciplines or things necessarily being out of order in our homes. There can be a host of other things that are beyond our control. And I think that's probably the one um, that's a little harder to deal with because um, we can't just, you know, gain some control by getting some order in the home and, you know, doing a few things on this checklist that can help um, kind of re relieve some of that anxiety. This, these are things that happen or that we're afraid will happen um, that we have no control over. And how many of us fear things 
um, that never actually happen. And, and that is true of anxiety, that, that it's usually rooted in fears that never actually happen, like 90% of them never actually happen. And how much energy, time do we waste worrying about those things when there's a good chance they're just not ever going to happen? So I want to share some things from my own personal life and experience again. Um, I mentioned the move uh, last week. That was a big, uh, we did an across the state move uh, 14 years ago. And four months ago, we did an across the country move. And can I just say to those of you who have recently moved, cut yourself a wide berth. There is more to this moving thing than meets the eye. Um, I've been praying and thinking through a lot of it. And it's, it's been interesting because now that our daughter and son-in-law and kids are here, um, that actually, as excited as I am to have them here as a mom, it brings on some, some anxiety for me. Um, you know, are they going to be happy here? Are they going to like it here? Um, living in the same household, are, is there going to be good communication? Will there be misunderstandings? Um, will I be helpful enough? Will I be too helpful? You know, just all these different things. And the other day, I just finally just sat down and I wrote them all out. And it felt so good to get them out of my brain. And I'm going to talk about this a little bit later, how how that's one of the ways that we can relieve anxiety is to write these anxieties out and to be able to bring them to the Lord. And as I was writing them out, I realized how much I was fretting and worrying and that scripture came to mind about Mary and Martha. Um, I don't know if you know the story, but um, Mary and Martha were sisters, and they were preparing. Uh, Jesus was coming to, to visit them and to have dinner with them. And when Jesus got there, Martha was scurrying around, and, you know, she was me, you know, just getting the job done, doing, taking care of the details, getting everything handled, making sure everything was perfect. And there was her sister Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to him, spending time with him, enjoying and engaging in the moment that she had with Jesus. And this ticked Martha off. And I'm, you know, quite frankly, I can relate more to Martha. I'd be ticked off too. But the truth is that when Martha said something to Jesus, he said, Martha, you are worried about so many things. But Mary has chosen the better thing. Think about that. Yes, we have things we need to do. Yes, there are just practicalities that go on and on and on in our homes and in our lives. But where are our hearts? I believe that as we're walking those things out, we can have the heart of Mary. And sometimes Jesus will ask us to pull away from those things and be with him. And in doing so, we choose the better thing. So I love that story. But so the Lord has just been really dealing with me on this and um, in a really good way. But I, I do feel like every time I open up the word, he just he just brings so much to me. Like it's like drinking from a fire hose. And so I've been jotting down notes and just going just like crazy. So that's why I had to divide this podcast into two because um, they would have just been way too long. So speaking of that, I probably should keep moving along here. So another story that I want to tell you really quickly is um, 
let me preface it first with we all have those things that we fear like I mentioned those you know 90% of those things will never happen but the truth is that we're not immune to suffering we know that in our heart of hearts and I think that is where a lot of times that anxiety comes from so I want to talk a little bit about that Um, almost four years ago we lost our first grandson unexpectedly Uh, he was just hours before birth I won't go into the whole story because it it really, it's an amazing story of grace. Um, I could just, God's grace was so there, but it was hard. And um, I just always go back to that scripture that says that, you know, we grieve, but we don't grieve as those who have no hope. His grace was with us through it. He walked with us. His presence was there. And honestly, God doesn't give that to you until you're in the situation. So trying to grab for it ahead of time is pointless. It is a waste of energy and it is not truly resting in him. We need to learn to rest in him. And we're going to talk a little bit more about what that looks like in a little bit. So as we walked through this together and we grieved together and um, we healed together and I talk about this uh, a little bit in my book, The Unhurried Homeschooler, um, about homeschooling through a crisis, and that's actually the next chapter. Um, the interesting thing is, is that I thought, as I thought about going through that chapter, I realized um, that the Lord wanted me to talk about anxiety first before we went into that. So we had this experience. Um, my, one of my biggest fears was losing a child. That has always been like one of the top things on my list of like my worst nightmares but I never thought about what it would be like for to watch my child lose a child Um, that was a whole nother experience that I had never anticipated never thought about Um, it was hard but it was good, and I can only say that because the Lord was so present through all of it. But the thing that I have realized recently is that uh, post-traumatic stress disorder is real, (laughs) and um, there are times that that is triggered for me, Um, not just from losing Isaac, but also from that uh, move I made across the state that I told you about last week that was pretty hard on me emotionally, mentally, and my body and everything else. Um, it was something God called me to. I know that. It was, it was a hard thing. Um, I learned a lot through it. But having just done another big move like that, I realized that I was revisiting that again. And it, it was interesting because I started to pray and ask the Lord, God, what is, um, what, how do I deal with this? Would you just bring me, I mean, clearly there's some of this PTSD is real. Um, you can read a ton about it on the internet. I chose not to do that. I chose to just wait on the Lord. And I said, Lord, would you bring me what you want me to know? How do I deal with this? Because these things, these syndromes, these disorders can become, we can become obsessed with them. And, and that's, that's what the world does. They become obsessed with this disorder or this syndrome. And I needed to look at it through God's eyes. And, and how does he see it? 
and how does he see me in it? And how, you know, how do I fit into this picture? And what is it that God has for me in all this? Because our God is a healer. That's what he is. He knows we live in a fallen, broken world, but he is a healer. And when we start to realize that he's not, he's not wanting to hurt us or, um, I don't even know how to explain it. He's not, he's not wanting to hurt us. He is our healer. So these hurts come from being in this sinful, broken world. But God can redeem it. He can make something good out of it, something beautiful out of it. So um, as I was just pondering this and praying through this and just sort of going throughout my day and then, you know, going back to the Word, um, I ran across this. Um, John Piper said this. He said, what... God accomplishes for us and promises to us is the ultimate triumph over all that terrifies us. He does not promise us escape from misery in the world. He promises that he will redeem every misery and that in him we will overcome the worst that the world can do to us. Don't you love that? God is about redemption. He's about working in and through those situations about bringing healing, redemption. And yes, it's none of it's going to it's not none of it's going to be perfect until we get to heaven. But oh, the amazing things that we can see and experience right here and now in this life if we will yield to him and to his redemptive work. So this week I had that aha moment um that that PTSD tends to bring back to the surface, and that is the reality that I am not immune to suffering. And with that, um, that anxiety that I feel is actually revealing my internal disordered fears, fears that have their origin in unbelief or misplaced faith. So we, let me explain that just a little bit. So we just, by nature, our fears are disordered. The things that we fear the most are the things are not the things we should fear the most. Um, and but these fears have their origin in unbelief, in misplaced faith. So what's happening is I, by just it naturally tend to start putting my faith in something else besides the Lord and what He has for us and His promises and who He is and. And when I'm experiencing this PTSD, these feelings that come up, I am, I am facing that head-to-head, toe-to-toe. And um, let me just say that PTSD can, um, uh, or those types of feelings, I don't want to just, you know, give it a name and say that we all have PTSD. I guess we kind of all do. But <laughs> the reality is that if you've had any kind of, um, you know, deep suffering, grief, loss, um, Gosh, there's a lot of things that can can probably qualify as a crisis. We've probably all experienced a crisis at some time in our life. Some people grow up in crisis mode in a in a household that the parents are fighting. Um, there's just all kinds of things going on that shouldn't, and they deal with that. Um, they go into adulthood carrying that with them, and um, and there's certain things that will trigger those feelings again. And so I think it's important to ask the Lord, you know, is this something that I'm dealing with? Is this anxiety that I'm feeling dealing with related to that? Because what happened for me was that God showed me 
that's where some of this anxiety was coming from. And that also showed me that I needed to uh, be bringing my fears before him and asking him to help reorder them and to help me place my faith where it belongs. John Piper also said, if we feel disillusioned and angry with God because we believe he hasn't kept his promises, it's likely that our fears are disordered and misplaced. But what makes us panic also shows us where our faith is and teaches us to transfer our faith from our perceptions. Remember we talked last week about feelings and how feelings lie to us and they don't always tell us the truth and we need to make sure that we're bringing those to the Lord and asking him for clarity on uh, where they're coming from, what they are, if there's something, you know, real or if we are, you know, maybe just there's something out of order there. So um, let me go back to the beginning of that statement. What makes us panic also shows us where our faith is and teaches us to transfer our faith from our perceptions or feelings to the omnipotent, perfect word of God. This testing of our faith produces perseverance. Perseverance is like endurance. And James 1, 2 to 3 says, When troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance or your perseverance has a chance to grow. These are things we should rejoice in. The world says when troubles come, oh my goodness, you're a victim. When troubles come, you need to panic. When troubles come, you need to take medication. You need to drink alcohol. You need to smoke marijuana, right? I am telling you right now, that is a whole different mindset than what God is saying here. He is saying, by the way, just a side note, I am not uh, against a glass of wine or anything like that, okay? Just, just making that clear. <laughs> There's no condemnation here. I'm just saying that's not the first place we run, right? So when, our, when these troubles come our way, God's saying, consider it an opportunity for great joy, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance and perseverance has a chance to grow. I was doing some reading a while back about um, just uh, the millennials and just, you know, th- this generation and about growing leaders and um, what it looks like to grow leaders. And I'm going to share more about that book maybe in another podcast. I'm also going to share uh, a couple of links to uh, a couple of uh, posts that I got these John Piper uh, quotes from. So I'll make sure I put those on there. So that's just a little side note. But... Um, The interesting thing is, not only does our endurance and perseverance grow, um, and this is like grit, okay? So what I was saying is, when uh, when I was reading about growing leaders, they were saying that one of the things that's really lacking in the next generation is grit, teaching our kids grit. I thought that was so fascinating because my parents taught me grit. And so the idea of enduring and persevering sounds like a, a, you know, a challenge to me, like, okay, yes, I need to endure and I need to persevere. But if we don't teach our kids that that is a good thing, they will shy away from that. They will run away from it. And we don't want them to do that. So just a little side note, make sure that you are instilling grit in your kids, teaching them to persevere in hardship and to endure. So um, back to our scripture 
When our faith is tested, our endurance and perseverance has a chance to grow. But that is not all. Okay, that isn't where it stops. This isn't the only thing. When Here's the thing. This just, I love this. When our faith is tested and we endure, not just survive, but we grow, we actually participate in God's grand and bigger plan to overcome evil with good, to overcome lies with the truth, and to overcome hate with love. Wow. I'm actually going to read that again. When our faith is tested and we endure, not just survive, but grow, we actually participate in God's grand and bigger plan to overcome evil with good, to overcome lies with the truth, and to overcome hate with love. Don't you love that? This isn't just about enduring for our sake. This is about actually overcoming evil in this world. You know, we feel like we're so surrounded by evil that it's overwhelming. Guess what? This is our part right here. We do our part. Each Christian does their part. And God multiplies our efforts and evil is overcome. Ultimately, the kingdom of God is going to come. But this counts, people. This counts for eternity and it counts for now. So I love that. It's exciting to be part of something bigger than ourselves. So we are being delivered from evil by overcoming evil. The reality of the power of the cross lives through us. This is how it happens. So guess what? This anxiety, these troubles with anxiety, these are opportunity for great joy opportunities to overcome evil with good, opportunities to overcome lies with the truth and overcome hate with love. Don't you love that? That is that is like, that is the bomb to me. God is so good to include us in that. And if we can just participate in it and cooperate with him. So we are being delivered from evil by overcoming evil. The reality of the power of the cross lives through us. And I want you to listen to this. The power of the cross is Christ's love for us. That is what is overarching everything, okay? Not judgment, not condemnation, but God's love, Christ's love, his redeeming love. I want you to listen to this scripture with that in mind. And think about this. Meditate on this as you're walking through your day. Who then can ever keep us from Christ's love? When we have trouble or calamity or we're hunted down or destroyed, do you ever feel hunted down by anxiety? (laughs) Is it because God doesn't love us anymore? If we're hungry or penniless or in danger or threatened with death, Has God deserted us? No. For the scriptures tell us that for his sake, we must be ready to face death at every moment of the day. We're like sheep awaiting slaughter. But despite all of this, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us enough to die for us. For I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from his love. Death can't. Life can't, the angels won't, and all the powers of hell itself cannot keep God's love away. Our fears for today, our worries about tomorrow, or where we are high above the sky or in the deepest ocean, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God demonstrated by by our Lord Jesus Christ when he died for us. Nothing will ever, 
ever separate us from him. That is our security. That is where our hope needs to live. Because we're saved, we don't have to be afraid of that. That should be every person's number one anxiety is to be is being separated from God. But we don't have to have that anxiety because we will never be separated from him, ever separated from his love. He doesn't save us and then leave us to fend for ourselves. Nothing touches us that doesn't pass through his loving hands first. Now, that would be terrifying if we weren't absolutely convinced of his love for us. And if you're not convinced, go back and read that scripture. It is Romans, the one that I just read, is Romans 8, 35 through 39. And I will put that in the podcast notes. So we know that nothing will ever separate us from him. So what does this look like in real life? Okay, it looks like cooperating with him and allowing him to bring our fears and concerns into their proper place. You know, sometimes fears and concerns are a great uh, springboard for prayer. Maybe God is calling us to pray for something. Um, Sometimes I'll find myself thinking about one of our kids that, you know, and I'm especially the ones that don't live at home, but really any of our kids. And I'll be thinking about them and their safety and concerned. And so I just stop and pray. And I really believe that God uses the prayers of moms to protect their children and their family because we do have these concerns that come up, but we need to just take them and turn around and and turn them into prayers, bring them to the Lord and leave them with Him. So... Um, I told you earlier that I uh, wrote down all my fears um, the other day, whether they seemed stupid or not, and I just kept talking to the Lord about them. Every time they came to mind, I would talk to him about them again. And that's what we need to do. We need to just keep talking to the Lord about it, stay in that communication with him and that fellowship with him. Pray the, the word of God, you know, remember his promises and who he is and talk about that with him. For me, every time I lay down, um, take a few minutes, rest or whatever, that's, um, that's when those concerns seem to come to me. And so I use those unhurried moments to overcome evil with good and overcome lies with the truth. We do that by praying taking those concerns and those fears and turning them into prayer. John Piper said, God never instructs us in scripture to fight anxiety by arguing with it. It never works. Scripture only instructs us to cast our anxieties on God in prayer and trust him to meet our needs, whatever they are. So changing our fear into prayer, it can be one of the hardest things to do, often because we're in a hurry. This is why I am constantly encouraging women to slow down because when we slow down, we are able to be effective in this way. It is easier to turn our fears into prayers when we're not in a hurry. God, it can be, it can feel like one of the hardest things to do, but God asks us to do what seems impossible because he wants to show us his love and his power at work within us. This brings glory to him. I don't know if any of you are familiar with the Westminster Shorter Catechism, but it's really just sort of a um, foundation for Christian beliefs, and it's based in Scripture. Um, 
at one point, um, I was teaching our younger ones. Uh, there's a smaller children's catechism, and it, and it teaches them kind of the basics of, of Christianity, and it's all uh, got scripture references that um, line up with it. Um, that's a great thing to look for. So if you want to Google that, it's smaller children's catechism. I'll try to put a link in for that. But the Westminster Shorter Catechism is kind of the adult version. Um, but one one of the questions in it is, what is the chief end of man? So what is man's main purpose for being here? And if we look at all of Scripture and the whole of Scripture, which is where this answer comes from, this is what it is. Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. So think about that. When we take the time to change those um, fears into prayers, do that hard thing, and ask God to help us do that hard thing, and we watch Him help us do what feels impossible, we are bringing glory to Him. The scripture says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, to present our request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. What, and he says, finally, what brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So when we take the time to slow down and overcome, we have the honor of participating in God's huge, grand story, the story of redemption. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just come before you. We thank you for making us such a part of your amazing grand plan. Thank you that as we walk out our faith in the unseen places of our homes, that we can bring you great glory and great honor right there. No one sees it. No one may know about it. No one will notice it, quite possibly. But God, you will see it. You will bless it. You will honor it. And you will bless our families for it, God. And that's what we want. We want you to be glorified and honored in our families as we raise up this next generation. God, give us the courage Give us the courage to bring our anxieties to you, to, to live out that struggle, to allow you to come and to um, bring our fears back into their proper place, Lord, to watch you work, to cooperate with what you want to do, and to watch you redeem our lives for your glory and honor. Thank you so much for giving us hope. Thank you for giving us a purpose. Thank you for being our creator, Lord. It changes everything, and we thank you for that. God, I pray your blessing over these moms this week. I pray that you would protect them from the enemy, that you would give them clarity of heart and mind and soul and purpose, God, that they would carry out your will this week and your plans and your purposes for their lives and for their families' lives. God, bless their marriages. Keep the enemy at bay, away from them. And I pray that you would help them to be watchful and mindful of this, of this family that you've blessed them with, Lord. Thank you for giving us families. Thank you for putting us in our homes and help us to just bring you glory and honor 
in and through all of it. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Love met me 